Yeah, I think one of the main reasons why we're seeing such a high, a high increase over 2020 is the fact that um, the pent-up travel demand is very real. I think that people are coming out of the pandemic with a increased amount of vacation days that just kind of banked um, because they weren't traveling in throughout 2020. What's up, everybody? My name is Mike Shogren here with my co-host, Emmanuel Pani. We're part of a group of specialized real estate investors you've probably never heard of. We didn't start with deep pockets or wealthy families, and we don't rely on 401ks, mutual funds, or traditional real estate investing. In fact, many of us don't even own the properties that fund our freedom. If you ask the money experts out there, they'd say what we do is impossible, yet it's happening every single day. It's happening through a new niche called short-term rentals. We are Short-Term Rental Nation, and these are our secrets. What's going on, STR Nation? Welcome back to another episode of the Short-Term Rental Secrets Podcast. I am your host, Mike Shogren, here with my main man and brother from another mother, Mr. Emmanuel Pani. What's up, E? My brother, so good to see you. Uh, it's a Monday show, which is which is which is nice. Uh, had an amazing weekend. Watched some Formula One yesterday. I don't know if there's any Formula One fans in our in our ranks, but. If you don't know who Lewis Hamilton is, he had the race of a lifetime yesterday. Came up like 20 spots in the last like two days. Absolutely amazing. And I just love, you know, I have realized with time that what I love is just watching all the pros, like the highest of highest of best in all the fields are just so amazing to watch. Because you'd literally see like all the years of like work and dedication and like I mean, F1, man, it's, it's, you have to be really, really concentrated for a really, really long time, 71 laps, you know, and you, like, you realize, I'm like, dude, I wonder if they like meditate. I wonder what you do. Like, how do you, you know, and, and some days, you know, somebody crashes and you have to drive by him and then just keep racing. I would just be like, okay, we're done for the day. <laughs> I, am, I am feeling quite scared today after I just saw this guy's car catch fire. Uh, so maybe we shouldn't do this for today. It doesn't seem like a good day, but I guess you can do that over there. Um, but we are in the midst of launching the unit, like we talked about last week. We're pretty much done, um, as we've been talking about, just a bit of a of a um, hiccup with just getting everything in time. So some stuff are coming sooner, some stuff are coming later, um, but we're almost done. And then at our local meetup, I met an amazing connection for you, which I was super excited about. Um, as you guys know, we like to speak our existence into reality uh and we talked about the show last week how mike wanted to make some unique rooms at his new place in orlando and i met somebody out of the blue uh that came to our recent meetup that does that it helps people and creates some amazing rooms uh so i i don't know like next level like, like next level rooms. like yeah. a stormtrooper machine bed that like actually like moved and like shot lasers like it yeah. was next level so yeah so i was really excited for that and it just reminds me of like just the power of like networking and 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 kind of speaking your what you do into existence and not being a secret agent whatever your job like whatever you're trying to get into you know because if i didn't talk about mike and how excited i was see just randomly bragging about your friends that he bought a 10 room place up in up in orlando I would have never got get to know that this is what this guy did. So, uh, yeah, man, life is good. 
Yeah. Same, same, honestly, with our guest today, who I put two and two together after the fact that we connected a month or two ago on another webinar that we did together. But um, same thing. It was like, you know, now we're getting into Q4, starting to look at, you know, the end of the year, holiday bookings, 2022, and thinking through, you know, who has some, some good perspective on what they're seeing for trends and things like that. So today on the show, we've got Paul Zukaskas, Zukaskas with us today. He's the Global VP of Customer Success with Guesty. And for those of you guys that have been listening for a while, you know, we talk about Guesty quite a bit. Um, they're a huge property management platform. They integrate with about everything on the planet that I have found. And uh, I like using them in our business. Um, he combines his passion for real estate and hospitality by helping top vacation rental hospitality brands grow and scale. Uh, he's passionate with client services and um, he's got over 10 years of SaaS management experience leading high performing customer success implementation and support teams. And he is here today to share his experience and what he's seeing from different market trends uh, at his high level over at Guesty. So, Paul, thanks so much for being here. Yeah, thanks for having me, Mike. Thanks for having me, Emmanuel. Absolutely. So before we get into all the, the good nitty gritty about market trends, how did you end up at Guesty? Like, how did you end up in like the whole hospitality space? Just out of curiosity. Yeah, I think my story probably follows a similar curve to a lot of people that have joined Guesty, which is um, I was managing uh, two uh, Airbnbs on my own, and I kind of went online and I was like, someone should have a software for how I can add this to VRBO and Expedia and, you know, advertise it all over the place. Um, and then, you know, first top line Google search, because Mar Guesty's marketing team is amazing. Uh, top line was Guesty. So I kind of looked into it, filed it away. And then, you know, a few, a few months later, as kismet would be, a recruiter had reached out to me about an opportunity with Guesty. And I already had like the perfect kind of research done for the entire like interview process and everything. And I just knew, you know, based on my personal experience and how much I loved being kind of a, a short-term rental operator, although really small in size. Um, and then given my kind of you know, expertise in leading customer facing teams across SaaS platforms. It just kind of really came together and, and the rest is kind of history for me. So did, awesome. did, did the recruiter know you had Airbnbs or he was expecting just from your software background and you just like, oh, let me tell you what I think about Gasty <laughs> as a user. And he's like, oh man, I, I've got more than I bargained for. Now I actually have a guy that has used a platform and had no idea. Yeah, I actually, I, I never actually used Guesty because, you know, we really target kind of uh, short-term rental companies with uh, five or more uh, listings. So yes. I didn't have that direct experience with Guesty or any kind of real PMS. Um, they just reached out to me out of the blue. They had no idea that I was like an Airbnb, you know, uh, host or anything like that. And so um, I think the recruiter got really excited when she learned that I had that experience because she was like, oh, this is a perfect match type of thing. And like, I can't help it. I would have, I would have absolutely geeked out and be like, it's a sign of fate. I would have definitely <laughs> called Mike if they happened in my life and be like, Mike, you can't believe what just happened. Guesty called me out of the blue. Cause like, you know, to me, that's, that can be out of the blue. You know what I mean? Like it's just the, the way life is like, how, how perfect is that? You know what it is? Um, so not to get too far into the weeds, but my mother-in-law is like big into like Eastern medicine and kind of like these like signs and things like that. And so, um, she always does these things that in Lithuanian we refer to as mandale, where she, if you want, want something out there in the world, like the right job for you, she would like draw you like a specific kind of like pictogram type of thing. And then you'd carry it around like behind your phone. And then over the course of time, these things would just naturally come to us. Right. And so I, I believe at that time she, she knew that I was looking for work 
And so I think she drew a mandalas for me for the perfect situation to kind of unveil itself. And it did, which was so. And here we are. I, I sure. love that. Yeah. Well, you were saying, you know, speak it into existence in the open. Yeah. This is yeah, yeah. an example of that. Wow. Love it. So I, I don't want to steal your thunder, but Andrew was kind enough to send over some data if I want to just read it over real quick and then we can get into some of the trends, you know, as far as like what we're seeing or what you guys are seeing for the upcoming holiday season. Mm -hmm. So just some bullets that Andrew was kind enough to pass on. He said, uh, Thanksgiving weekend reservation volume is up by 302% compared to 2020 and 93% higher than 2019. So it's not just the COVID thing, like even compared to 2019, it's up 93%. Um, Average nightly rate is 19% higher than last year. Uh, it's at about $415 per night. 2020 was $349 a night for context. Uh, and it's 58% higher than 2019, which was $263 a night. Top five states being booked for Thanksgiving are Texas, Florida, Nevada, Louisiana, and Michigan. Interesting. I wouldn't have guessed Louisiana or Michigan, but that's interesting. Michigan, I suspect, because there's a lot of larger markets uh, around Michigan. There's this whole Chicago crowd that's kind of heading up to north, what is it, northwest or southwest Michigan. Um, mm-hmm. Got a lot of cityscapers in like Detroit and Ann Arbor um, that are coming up, probably folks from Indianapolis. I'm from the Midwest, and so I know how much of a kind of draw Michigan is. And it really fits the target demographic of what people are searching for as far as these kind of remote, isolated, kind of large format homes that kind of celebrate their entire family kind of coming together. So. That's awesome. Um, and then again, he's got a bunch of different stats as well. Around Christmas time, reservations are up 469% compared to 2020. So, I mean, it's things are just exploding right now. Mm-hmm. And so I definitely want to touch on that. And maybe some of the trends are different things that are making it stand out. But then kind of the elephant in the room that everybody keeps asking E and I is like, is this going to continue? Like, is it still going to keep projecting? I know you don't have a crystal ball, but with all the, the data that you're seeing and guesting and all the different folks that you're working with, the big question is always like, will this continue or is it going to somehow flatline? Which personally, I don't think is going to flatline, but at some point it probably level off a little bit. But yeah, uh, getting back to some of the trends for this season, I don't know if you want to share any other insights around that data or in particular, like anything that you've noticed that people are doing differently this year that are driving those bookings or to help them stand out for those bookings. Yeah, I think one of the main reasons why we're seeing such a high, a high increase over 2020 is the fact that um, the pent-up travel demand is very real. I think that people are coming out of the pandemic with an increased amount of vacation days that just kind of banked um, because they weren't traveling in throughout 2020. Um, also, there's this, there's this attitude of, I'm not going to wait another year to get together with my family. I'm not going to, you know, we've already done this for a year. We've, we've got the vaccine out there. And I think that a lot of people, obviously, you know, wherever they stand, a lot, there are a lot of people that are vaccinated right now and they feel comfortable kind of getting together with their remote families. And so we're seeing that in this huge increase over the 2020 data, as you're indicating, you know, 300% increase over Thanksgiving, 470% increase over Christmas. And so, the travelers are definitely out there because of the pent-up demand. Why we're seeing an increase over 2019 numbers, though, is the fact that we see from Guesty's point of view that 
that short-term rentals have really gone more mainstream. Um, I, I cited this, I think, in a webinar that I did for Guesty uh, maybe earlier this week or last week. I can't remember. It all comes together. Um, but when you're when you're looking at Airbnb, and there's a there's a book out there by Geoffrey Moore, uh, Crossing the Chasm. And for anybody that's really into kind of short, um, you know tech and kind of the customer lifecycle journey in tech, what you can see, and if you compare it to Airbnb, is that Prior to the pandemic, Airbnb had done a great job of capturing the early majority as far as people that are willing to take on the STR risk, right? And so traditionally, this is a younger crowd. This is somebody who's willing to actually um, try something new and kind of put their money down to, for a new experience. Because of the pandemic and because of kind of the, the crisis of staying within a hotel-like accommodation and kind of the close proximity to other guests, what this does is it fast-forwarded um, for the late majority to start accepting SDR as a mainstream um, kind of accommodation for themselves. And so this is typically like your grandparents or, you know, if you're a little bit older, your, your parents kind of saying, all right, we've heard about this Airbnb accommodation, this SDR accommodation. Yeah, let's go ahead and give it a try. And because of the professionalization of all the hosts out there, they had a really positive experience. And so there's less of this apprehension even though now you can go back to the hotel, there's less of this apprehension of the late majority to just naturally flow back into that hotel experience. They had such a positive, clean unit, great space kind of experience with the SDR that they experienced in sometime in 2021 that they're willing to go back to it. And that's why we're seeing kind of this increase uh, over 2020 or over 2019 uh, there in the holidays. What, what was the book call that you talked uh, about? Crossing the Chasm, written by Joffrey Moore. I have it over That's here funny. somewhere. I was going to grab it, but I don't yeah. want to take too long. Yeah, but it's funny because I've heard a similar argument about why oh, cryptocurrency has exploded in the in the recent year. Okay. It's the fact that there was all the... And it's funny because I literally just heard it a couple of days ago. I was at a dinner and somebody brought up a similar the same book, but I didn't know him as well. So I'm like, I didn't want to be like, what, what was that book again? But it's a similar concept is the fact that like at the beginning, just the, just the people that are super techy uh, or super aware use something, but then you get to that like critical mass almost. And it's like once you cross the critical mass, it becomes a lot different. Um, and that's definitely what we're seeing. And we've been talking about that a lot. Yeah. Um, and one of the ways that you could actually see it kind of numerically or analytically is just by looking at the Airbnb numbers, right? Because now there are public companies, basically open kimono. You can start seeing actually the reservation volume, how many first time users they've got on the platform and everything. And this really reflects kind of that parabolic curve of the late majority starting to take over into the SDR space. One of the things that you touched on that, that we've talked about at nauseum on this is the professionalization of the industry, right? And so people ask me all the time and we'll get into like 2022 and beyond about like, what do I see coming? And I always say the same thing that the, the bar is just gonna keep getting raised as far as how you operate your units, how you design your units, like the customer experience, that bar is just gonna keep getting elevated as more and more professional operators come into the market because the demand I don't see going away but the competition that you're going to have is going to keep increasing because now they've stayed. Now maybe more of them are going to want to host, right? And so there's more and more people that are going to want to host. You know, you can click on any YouTube or Instagram and there's ads everywhere for make all this money with Airbnb, which 
is true if you do it the right way. From what you're seeing, are you seeing, because like you said, Guesty tends to work with a lot more professional operators at scale. Are you seeing those numbers increasing as more and more people like are adding more units this year? Because it almost felt like 2020 people kind of flatlined or backed off a little bit. But are you guys seeing a lot more properties come online this year? Oh, yeah. Um, and where we're seeing a majority of the growth is in our SMB segment. And so typically, for those that don't know, SMB stands for small to medium business. And so we classify our SMB segment anywhere between, um, you know, like 10 listings to around 25. And where we saw a natural progression, specifically for my department, in which we start taking mid-market plus accounts for coverage, is that these folks that had 20 listings more than doubled over 2021. And so I think because if you look at kind of real estate trends as well, a lot of people purchase second homes and a lot of these second home purchases needed a short-term rental kind of operator to take over because it's very difficult to, you know, if you're in LA to manage operations for one unit in, you know, Big Bear or in, you know, um, in the desert in Joshua Tree, which is where we saw a ton of this growth happening was in these remote you know, desolate isolation or, you know, these remote locations. And so I think that the purchasing of the second homes brought on high growth in the, specifically the VR operators. Keep in mind that Guesty also accommodates for urban operators and we didn't see as much growth there. Um, where predominantly we saw the growth was, which was with the large enterprise well-funded players that can kind of take the the down occupancy and still raise money and start acquiring more units that way cheaper. Um, but the VRs definitely blew up from 20 listings to about 45, 50. And I think that's where Guesty really played a huge part for them was that they could focus more on their actual um, acquisition strategy and not have to staff and resource so much down on the operations because they were able to automate a lot of their messages or have a very kind of clear like task you know, dashboard and being able to handle or manage a lot of their operational needs through Guesty. So they just threw all their emphasis on sales and marketing and making sure that they were creating awareness within their, their niche markets to kind of acquire more and more inventory. For sure. For sure. I, I wonder, right, if you have, let's say that we have a listener that has, is in that three to four unit range and is kind of thinking maybe they're still doing everything on, on, on Airbnb and they have Airbnb and VRB are linked together. Sure. And they want to come to to Guesty or or invest in a property management management yeah. software. What would you what would you say to them is like the biggest advantage of of actually making the investment into property management software sooner rather than later? Because I think a lot of people are in the mindset of like I'll do this when I get here. And I think Mike and I always talk about create the vision of where you're going and start creating the infrastructure now because it's easier to lay foundation when the house is not on top of it than it is for you to take down walls and add foundation later down the road um so where would you say like hey this is why you really should be doing this because this is the main advantages that you're going to have yeah um the timing of your question couldn't be better actually because today guesty just released a new offering which is called guesty for host and really what it's doing is targeting those people with anywhere between two and five listings and it's a pared down kind of version of of guesty where it's really, it's mobile first and where it's really operating more as kind of a unified inbox experience as well as a, a multi-calendar that allows you to actually publish to multiple channels and get the strength of those integrations with some limited functionality. And so really 
through the guest deeper host, what you can do is you could start actually building your software stack, start learning a little bit how to manage these, the, you know, the software component of your business while you're also kind of managing the operations and then slowly you can kind of grow together into the guest pro platform. But to answer your question specifically, like what are, why should you focus on your tech stack at two to three listings versus at 10 is that I think you alluded to it in your question, which is it's so much easier to, to build out your tech offering on just a few listings. And it's so much easier to manage what's working for you with your tech provider and what's not working for you across two to three listings. And so you really, you're, you're fine tuning and creating your expertise on a scale that's easy for you to manage. And should something not work properly, you could really quickly dial it back and then dive into whatever your process was prior to your tech solution, tweak it on the side and then re-implement it. Um, it's really hard if you're at 10 listings, 20 listings, and you're only now building out your tech stack. If you make some mistakes there, it's going to be a lot, they're gonna be felt a lot more. There's gonna be a lot more reverberations throughout your operations at scale versus learning kind of just with two or three. 100%. Yes, I love I, I asked that question very selfishly, because like, I that's that was my my problem. And that was what was so painful about implementing a new PMS software, because I did so with 40 units, 45 units. So creating even the just onboarding of it, it's, it's, it's physically painful, like, especially for somebody like me that likes to stay high level and likes to do the sales and everything else. It was painful. And I know Mike might not admit it, but he also drove his team absolutely crazy onboarding and changing systems when you have a lot of units because somebody got to do it. And, and it's not, it's not easy. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's basically like learning a new language. You know, do you want to learn a new language when you're five years old or six years old, or do you want to learn it when you're 40 or 50, right? Like it, the, the it's, data has, it's harder, harder to learn when you, yeah. the more you have on you. So one of the things that you mentioned was all the different channels that Guesty integrates with. This is a selfish question, honestly, for me, but I think the listeners will get a lot of it. Have you seen any of these other more niche OTAs gain a lot of traction over the last 12 months? Yeah, and I think like the big ones we always talk about, like Airbnb, Verbo, Booking.com, sometimes Expedia. It's a little more distant, but any other platforms that you've seen kind of really grow over the last 12 months? Yeah, so... What we see is certain platforms in certain regions really grow um, successfully, right? Like, and so it's alternative accommodations, for instance, right? Let's say that you're, you're offering glamping um, type of accommodations throughout the United States. There are specific glamping type of OTAs that are very well suited where you will see a lot of your, your bookings come in from, from that kind of alternative accommodation. Um, also, if you're, let's say you're in the Smoky Mountains, you know, in, what is that, Tennessee? You know, I, I believe that there's some OTAs that are specifically driving kind of blog-like activity, customer experience type of activity in the Smoky Mountains, and then they're, they're coupling an OTA alongside of it. And so we're seeing a lot of those, those kind of smaller OTAs be specifically driving value to the listings in that area. But if you have if you have inventory spread across the United States, you know, for, for operations management kind of basis, I, I think it's easiest for you to stay on the, the primary kind of OTAs, the ones that you guys always talk about, which is booking, VRBO, Airbnb, Expedia. Um, you know, and then 
we're starting to hear traction on Google. I feel like everybody's thinking that Google is going to be, you know, the next major OTA player. Um, we're connected to Google through Rentals United today. And honestly, we're not seeing the reservation traction that, that basically dictates the amount of interest that people have in that area right now. And so, but you know, who knows what it's, it, Google moves fast. So it makes something, you know, really kind of take off in that area coming soon. And, and by that, do you mean like, you know, when you look at a, a, at a flight, how Google has Google flights, so they're doing that for OTAs in travel, like how they have with hotels or, or what do you mean by that? I, I don't know the specifics around it, but the way that I, that I imagine it working is that similarly, when you're going to like a booking.com and you're searching for an accommodation, you're going to have this mix of, of short-term rentals as well as hotels kind of mixed together. And then you're basically fighting in that same space for, for attention and, and hmm. Interesting. But I'm sure that they'll have filters where you can specifically search for a vacation home or something that's a little bit more accommodating towards your search. Okay, cool. Yeah. So if I'm following you, there's some more like niche yeah. um, traveler yeah. types or region specific types of OTAs basically. Yeah, and, and there's... As you probably know, there's thousands of them out there right now that are like, you know, like holy traveling guests or something like that, you know, places where people go to like the Vatican or something like that. And that's a dedicated OTA. I think that there's a lot to be said for, for partnering with a local OTA like that because um, a rising tide lifts all boats in that community, essentially. And so if you're able to create more inventory there for that local OTA, and that'll drive more volume there. That'll drive more interest to your community as well as kind of, you know, whatever experiences are tied into that OTA. Um, and so there's, there's a ton of value with partnering with your local OTAs as well as potentially negotiating lower, lower rates, right? We all know that Airbnb um, and the other OTAs really take a high cut of the reservation. Some of these local OTAs are willing to, to take a little bit less. Gotcha. Gotcha. As far as any other trends that you're seeing is, you know, whether it's amenities or different things that they're certain listings are doing that seem to be doing better than others. Anything else that you, that you've noticed? Yeah. I, I think what we saw in the middle of the pandemic, which may not be as pertinent today was accommodating to this digital nomad. Um, the, the person that no longer has to be working in an office in Philadelphia and that can escape to the Catskills or, you know, um, go skiing in Aspen for, for a month. And so the way that people were, were marketing to these digital nomads and the way that they were bolstering maybe some of their more remote locations with that better Wi-Fi capabilities or cannibalizing some rooms and turning them into an office. So if you had like a three-bedroom home, Instead, you would turn it into a two-bedroom with a large kind of office amenities with, you know, multiple screens that people can use. And really kind of how do you take this, this digital nomad and capture them a month at a time so that you can really get these longer, prolonged, extended stays beyond just kind of the, the average of what we saw in the pandemic was the average stay was or had crept up to over five nights, where typically it's at three, three and a half. Um, you're able to capture a digital nomad for 45, 60 day kind of stays. And so people really got creative in how they were marketing to, to that audience. Um, 
So that was something. And then, you know, I, I can see that trend continuing, um, but it's going to be very, very closely tied to what corporate, specifically here in the Americas, what is corporate America doing as far as, are they allowing more work, work remotely or are they requiring kind of a, a back to the office approach? Yeah, I, and this is just my own gut as like a business owner, but if, if I'm looking at my metrics and I'm seeing productivity and sales doing well and people aren't in the office and I've got crazy office leases all over the place, probably a good indication that I could probably cut some office space, honestly. Mm-hmm. But. Yeah, but there's also, as a manager myself, you can start looking at some of the, the well-being and the health of the remote employee where uh, they're citing kind of higher burnout rates because people are on more, right? So it, you have to kind of level set expectations within the workforce of, you know, yeah, you're remote now, um, but you shouldn't necessarily be on for, for 15, 20 hours a day to produce the results that you've been producing um, over the pandemic. It's not sustainable long-term. Mm-hmm. So I think we have to find this balance, but that's completely off topic. So. Have, yeah, you, uh, have you guys seen that in... Portugal, they actually passed a law that is illegal for a owner, a business owner, to text his employees after business hours to ask them to work on anything. That sounds like a good law to me. I, I'm a terrible. My the people that work for me will know that, uh, that I'm terrible at that because I, I'll just send a Slack in the middle of the night because I'm thinking about something in there. Yeah. yeah. No, and that's what my wife yells at me about all the time because I text our team. When I wake up, I'm like, I, I wake up before I, I have a thought and I'm like, here. And she's like, they're going to, especially like since Joyce is in the Philippines, she's like, she's going to see that. I'm like, yeah, but she, she should know that like, she's been with us for like over six months now. She should know not to respond until nine. And then Joyce responds at like six. So I'm like, shit, <laughs> yeah, yeah. sorry. I didn't mean that. I'm so sorry. Like, don't worry about it. We'll talk at nine. Like, you know, but yeah, so I, I would probably go to jail if, if we were in Portugal, they would just come and arrest me after like the first week, be like, you broke this law so many times already. Um, but yeah, man, I find it super interesting and I, and I love data. Like I, I love, I've, I've come, I've become a big fan of data. Um, the numbers are, are real and I think we've seen them. And I think the main advantage that we have moving forward is just what you talked about is just the fact that it's becoming a well-known way to go travel and enjoy life and and i don't think and especially with professional hosts more and more professional hosts coming in the quality of the of the experience is just going to keep getting better um in a way that i don't think hotels can match anymore especially if you're looking to reconnect with family or friends or just have you know a mastermind weekend or, or a weekend with friends that you haven't seen in a long time, uh, the quality of the experience, it's, it's so much better. Yeah, I agree. Switching gears slightly or moving the lens out a little bit. Have you guys started to notice anything for like Q1 2022 yet, as far as like how that's trending versus 2020 or if people, again, getting back to that question of 2021 for most people was a record year. Mm -hmm is that trend going to continue through 2022 or do we think we're going to start seeing that level off a bit in 2022 just, or is it too early to tell from the data that you guys have? Yeah, I think from, from our perspective, it's still a little early to tell. Um, the, the indication of the, the listing volume that we're seeing uh, from our, our existing customer base speaks to the fact that we think that the trend of growth is going to continue into 2022. Um, the 
traditionally there is a little bit of a lull in in January and in February as far as occupancy and reservations are concerned. And so I think it'll be very telling very early on for us of whether this trend is going to continue or not. And this has honestly been something that our investors and that investors in other kinds of um, travel tech spaces have been asking of, is this just a wave that's going to crest and then we're going to fall back to 2019 kind of standardization? Or is this now the new norm, as you had indicated? And I, for whatever it's worth, because of the late majority, I really think this is the new norm. I think that there are, there are, more, there are more listings out there. Uh, there's more high quality stays. Airbnb talks about it all the time, that they need more and more inventory because the demand is so high. And so it's, it's just a matter of whether we can keep up with that demand. And I don't think that 22 is necessarily the top of that plateau. I think that we've got a few more years left in us before we start seeing kind of a cap. Gotcha. Are you guys seeing a change? Sorry, Mike. Are you seeing a change in how far out people are booking or are people like are people going by? Because I remember like 2019, 2018, people were booking a lot farther ahead. And now I'm seeing some farther out booking, especially down here in Florida, but not too, too much as of yet. So I'm just curious to see, like, what you guys are seeing from your side on that? Yeah. Uh, so what you're talking about is necessarily the booking window. And this is a metric that we track very carefully uh, with our listings. And what we want to see is basically um, one of the first indicators to us of normalization following the pandemic was the booking window. Because as you had talked about, essentially the, the 60 plus day booking window, that went away completely. The 30 plus day stay was on a life support kind of trickle. Um, and we saw this gigantic spike in the within the next seven days type of bookings. What we've noticed is basically a trend back to the normalization of 2019. And we're essentially 100% back to, to that trend, just with a higher booking volume and greater occupancy and greater listing counts. And so we are, people aren't necessarily booking out longer than they were before. They've gone back to booking within the same kind of uh, cadence that they had booked prior to the pandemic. And so people are you know, obviously there are some holidays that are some days that have huge booking window spikes like Christmas, for instance. Um, I think that because of the pent up demand, the lack of inventory in some of these remote locations, we've seen um, an increase in that booking window, um, but, but essentially everything's gone back to normal. Love it. Love it. Um, any other insights, any other tips that you want to share with the listeners before we get into uh, some of the last questions? Um, um, no, I, sorry, I, I think I'm lagging a little bit for you guys. Can you hear me? You're good now. You were lagging for, for a minute there. I think we got you. We might need now to lose you the video. Okay. Um, all, right. all right. Let me try this. All right. Can you hear me? Gotcha. Yeah, it's a lot better. Cool. Um, the the one thing that I did want to highlight was that we haven't talked about was corporate travel a little bit and kind of what we're seeing in terms of corporate travel. It is not back the way 
that vacation travel is, but it is on the rise. And so what we're seeing is less, less frequency of corporate travel, but longer corporate travel type of stays. And a lot of companies, because of the remote kind of environment, have now um, accepted short-term rentals as being a acceptable accommodation for their, for their corporate kind of setup. And so we are seeing loyalty programs within some of the larger, more urban players and how they're, they're now strategically partnering with, with some of the larger corporations to draw more corporate travel to them. I love it. I love it. I was talking to, uh, to Andrew from Guesty the other day and he was like, what other suggestions would you have? And I said, figure out how to create some type of loyalty program inside of Guesty yeah. so that I can start creating some type of point yeah, system so that when people stay with us, we can, uh, we can figure get out how to point system. Yeah. I think that that's going to be the next huge wave that we're going to see as far as kind of corporate travel is how do we, how do these larger SDR players start creating that rewards program? Love it. Love it. Well, before we get into the last question, first, I just want to thank you for, for being here and sharing all this knowledge with us and for everything that you guys have built over at Guesty. I've said it multiple times. I'm a huge fan. Obviously, I'm a user. Um, you guys have made my life a lot easier. So thank you for that. Truly appreciate all you guys do. Um, where can folks learn more about you and what Guesty has to offer for their business before we get into the last question? Yeah. Um, as far as Guesty, uh, I urge you to go to kind of guesty.com. Um, if you're if you're looking for more information on Guesty, just go ahead and schedule kind of a demo. One of our account executives uh, would be more than happy to kind of walk you through the platform. Um, if you're one of those kind of um, you know two to three kind of listings players, still still um, our our Guesty Pro host offering as well as the Guesty Pro offering, and you can kind of make a decision for yourself of which one's going to fit your needs uh, best early on. And so um, more information on me specifically, reach out to LinkedIn, you know, Paul Zukowskis, you know, at LinkedIn, I, I don't even know what my URL is, but I'm sure a quick Google search uh, will pull me up. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you again for being here. The last question that we like to ask all of our guests, this will be an interesting perspective coming from you is what is your number one secret to success with short-term rentals? Yeah. Uh, what I think the, the players in our space that we've seen grow aggressively, something that they've been able to do is really focus and invest in on their operations and automation as much as possible because hiring additional staff um, could be a very time-consuming activity as well as very expensive if you don't get it right. And so if you're able to kind of create um, as much of the automation around messaging or task management or financials, um, you're, you're really going to enable yourself to focus on what is that special sauce of your, of your organization and kind of really harness that for growth. And don't worry about the cleanings and the communications and all those other ancillary kind of mundane tasks. Love it. Love it. Well, Paul, thank you again so much for being here with us. Truly appreciate having you on the show. And um, thank you again for everything that you and Guesty have done. We really appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you very much. Bye, Paul. Thank you so much. Appreciate you. All right, everybody. Thanks, Thanks for, for having me. Tuning in. We'll see you all next week on the Short Term Rental Secrets Podcast. Take care, everybody. Bye-bye.
Hey, STR Nation, if you enjoyed this episode, please make sure to hit that subscribe button and leave us a review. And in the comments, let us know what topics you want us to cover on upcoming episodes, and we'll make sure to get that in the books for you. And if you really want to learn how to launch, automate, and scale your short-term rental business, if you want to go deeper, then check out our free masterclass at strsecrets.com.